All right, let's get started. Hey, welcome to 2021. Um, one thing I actually realized that we don't do all that often is that we don't introduce ourselves. It's and true. And most podcasts I listen to, they always introduce themselves as if everybody's new. Yeah, they so, do. Uh, hey, I'm Kate Chura. And I'm Francis Key, not named for the um, guy that wrote. The guy that wrote, we're not going to necessarily call him the Patriot because we know he's not a great guy, but I was not named after him intentionally, so... Yeah, but um, <laughs> welcome to 2021, everyone. Uh, this is Theory of the Pod or Theory of the Podcast, whichever one you want to go with, uh, depending on the platform. Um, and if, you, if you're new here, yeah, we um, would like to fill in the blanks of some of our favorite stories, not not limited to Harry Potter, Star Wars, um, Gilmore Girls. What have you? We are trying to fill in the blanks with some of our own fan theories that we are concocting. Um, some may, you may see something similar somewhere else, um, but we are we are doing our own research um, and often might be inspired by things that we see online. But we just want to. Uh, have a place to vocalize our own fan theories. Yeah, because when you think about like what makes a really good podcast or often what we found in some of the podcasts we enjoy is not necessarily narrowing down uh, to one area, but also then allowing ourselves to kind of have that overlap. So while we respect a lot of podcasts out there that take on one topic and kind of cover the gambit of it, uh, we just want to have the ability to talk about whatever we feel like in the moment. Um, yeah, so, uh, welcome. This is Theory the Pod, and we are starting to call this, uh, this is season two. So Welcome to season two, guys. Even though last year we weren't posting regularly, uh, we really appreciate anyone who has stuck out with us uh, over the last year, and we're gonna try and make this season more regular. Um, obviously new year, new us, but same us, just talking about similar stuff. <laughs> So a lot has happened since our last episode. We were going to record last week, but I had some lovely food poisoning to kick off my year. Um, so we're actually kind of glad we waited a week because don't know uh, what what you've been doing, but here in the U.S. we've had some crazy past few days. Um, so we have a lot to talk about and we are ready to discuss. Yeah, but um, just to kind of, one thing that we think is like, while well, these podcasts are fun, um, they also can like also serve as like a time capsule of sorts. So our last recording was in December. And one thing that I wanted to do is just really shout out to any company that offers holiday time off. Um, I think we've talked previously about mental health and kind of what that kind of day-to-day -day workflow does to us and having some time off really helps and any kind of company that offers that is doing the right thing. So if there's anyone here that has any influence on that in their industry, really, really recommend um, giving the time off if you can. What else has happened recently, Francis? Ditto that on time off. Oh, yeah. my, busy, my busy season is in the fall. So I look very much to taking a week and a half off at um, Christmas time. I celebrate Christmas personally. Um, but just knowing that we have Christmas and the New Year's and less than a week apart from each other, it just allows for a good week and a half off for me. 
at my current role and um, I was glad Kate was able to take some of that time off as well because like she said it's very important um, to reset at some point in your year so if you are able to take a good week off here and there um, highly recommend it is it is frustrating to come back to a million and a half emails but you will be refreshed also <laughs> before we continue on I have to say, if you have, like, PTO that you get to take off, I highly recommend also taking off on a Monday. So don't just give yourself a three-day weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But taking off on Monday is awesome because usually everyone else has come back to all those emails. And so rather than assume that you're going to solve the problem, they solve all the problems for you. So when you come back on Tuesday, it actually feels a lot better. So that's my inside scoop for you all. So like Kate said, these podcasts are fun. We try to keep it mostly lighthearted, but uh, they can serve as a time capsule. And, and like I mentioned, the past week in the United States, and we know the world is watching us. We live in a 24-hour news cycle, and everyone uh, can see what everyone is doing at most times. Um, we uh, have a lot to talk about um, on Wednesday, January 6th. We saw a domestic terrorist attack on the Capitol. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, January 9th, following the Trump supporters literally storming into the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., while um, Congress was certifying the vote for November. Um, and, and it's crazy because, like, they were, like, literally threatening the lives of elected officials. They climbed over walls. They broke through windows. People looked terrified in the footage that was shared. And it is all really a result of certain public officials who have vocalized that there needs to be a challenge to the fair election of President-elect uh, Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. And it... It is one of those hypocritical situations where we've seen previously Republican pundits, and I'm going to call them that because that's usually how they self-identify. Um, we, we have said that these were Trump supporters because we don't think all Republicans share the same opinions as these people who did storm the Capitol, but we've seen Republican pundits in the past say that, oh, if it was the opposite way that they would not be responding that way. And I think that that is just what is so imperative to recognize here is that these are people who were inspired by Trump and what he has done, not what the party of Republicans believes, but what he has done and those Republicans though that do support him. Yes, there's, there's a big difference for the most part. And I say this as someone who has voted for Republican uh, presidential candidates in the past, um, there's a big difference between Republican ideals and the current iteration of the Republican Party and those leading it. And like Kate said, we know that not all people who identify as Republican are bad people. However, the people that took, took part of what happened this week are bad people. I'm, I'm drawing that line in the sand. Um, those are bad people. And we are seeing them be arrested and charged with federal crimes. Um, which is good. Which is good. But so. 
there is also something to say that these people were able to go home yeah. and then get arrested, which is ridiculous because there were police officers at the Capitol who were trying their best. Obviously, one officer lost his life also in the events. But at the end of the day, if it were Black Lives Matter supporters, the entire thing would have gone down differently. People were would have been arrested on site. Mm-hmm. It would have not been something where someone was able to carry out the lectern that Nancy mm-hmm. Pelosi and normally put it on in. eBay, y'all. What the hell? Also, like that just shows how dumb these people are. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like, it, it's definitely a astounding thing to watch mm-hmm. because I think one thing that I've seen is that millennials, we have seen so many different things on TV and this just adds to that chaos of what the fuck this doesn't normally happen. Like this, this has become a norm for us though, where it doesn't surprise me. And yeah. that's, what's the saddest part about this it's, whole thing. It's upsetting to see these things continue to happen and to watch them on like live TV. I was, when it started, I was literally in a meeting um, because I work in healthcare talking about how we're distributing the vaccine and was on Twitter scrolling, trying to pay attention to this meeting while also just waiting for the meeting to end so I could turn on CNN and watch it because we, like I said, are in a 24 hour news cycle and we can see things live as they happen. And as Kate touched upon, I mean, most of us want to say it started with 9-11, but I'm going to go a couple years further back and say it started with uh, Bill Clinton's impeachment trials. Yep. Honestly, um, I, I very vividly remember clips of that um, at, from when being 10 years old um, during that fiasco. Um, so it's, it's just... I saw a meme and it's meant to be funny and it is funny for most of us with dark sense of, senses of humor and to be a millennial without a dark sense of humor, who are you? Um, but I'm really tired of living through historical events. Yes. Can we get some boring well, few years here and there, please? And on top <laughs> of that, like, it's, it's funny, but it's also where I remember explicitly as part of 9-11 after it happened, we got the rest of the day off. Like, they sent people home. But these kinds of events keep on happening so frequently that you were in a meeting and having to deal with this. Like, I was working through huge deliverables that I had to get done, too. And there was this whole feeling where it's like, I'm really exhausted by what's happening in the world to be able to do my job well. And companies aren't even doing that anymore when these things happen. Is yeah. It isn't where we get to like all go home and be with our families and recognize the fact that like we're home safe because it was, it was admirable that the people of Congress were able to go through the vote afterwards, like didn't stop them, but major, major applause to them. Um, thank you for, for continuing to do your duty. Shout um, out to the people who swapped their ideas too for, Arizona, like, yeah. there was a guy from Montana, uh, Senator Dames, and he swapped. <laughs> and it was one of those moments where I was like, huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it shouldn't take that either. Yeah. And it's the whole idea that there was also someone posted like, oh, now you know what it feels like to be a, a high school student a, nowadays. A student going through and through these types of drills, you that, know, yeah. monthly. That, um, and, I mean, I have seen plenty of people comment and say, I went to private school. I don't know what you're talking about. What are, what are active shooter drills? I'm like, hello, I went 
to private school for 98% of my life. And I remember in seventh grade, our teacher talking, my one of my English teachers talking about what would happen if there was a threat on campus. And this was before most of the mass shootings we've seen. This was only after Columbine. This was two or three years after Columbine. And I didn't, you know, Columbine was scary, but it was not a monthly, weekly occurrence like we're seeing now. And so I was like, this lady is crazy. We didn't have after, after, active shooter drills, but I did have a teacher say, this is what will happen if there is a threat on our campus. So I don't, I, anyway, that's the, off topic. And, no, so. no, no. I mean, it's it's valid though, because like, like this is the stuff that we elect our officials to be able to take care of. And instead we go back to the whole idea is that there are elected officials who are actually creating this, I, this response. And we both live in Texas. We're both residents of Texas and voters in Texas right now. And like, I 100% believe someone like Ted Cruz should be forced to resign immediately because I, I would add Josh Hawley of Missouri. Right. Um, they we're not we're gonna stop with these two because um, they seem to be the most vocal and seem to be the heads of um, heads of the objection to the vote certification. Um, but we do realize there are well over 100 other members of Congress who joined Cruz and Hawley um, in this objection, and uh, many members of our country would en enjoy their re resignation as well. But it, and there is precedence to it, though, too, is that if you incite violence, then you are held responsible as well. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is what we deserve here. And that's the only reason why we're taking 10 minutes to talk about yep. this at the top, because yes, we don't have the largest audience. We're doing this more as a passion project for ourselves, but we want to let the people who are listening to this know that we have an audience and we're going to communicate with you all the way that we see fit and important. So if you can hear the scratching in the background, I apologize. That's my <laughs> dog. Nappy, come here. Come here. He's lining up the, the conversation. Yeah, That's our signal to move. Yeah. That's our producer, <laughs> That's, actually, yeah. in the background. Napoleon is our producer. He's a corgi. He's very ornery. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to talk over him scratching um, our pantry door. Um, so finally, to wrap our intro section, another hot topic. Um, I'd like to announce that I got the first dose of my vaccine this week. Um, I am almost 48 hours out from vaccine administration and my arm is sore and that's truly been the only side effect is that my arm has been more sore from this vaccine than any other shot I've ever been given. Um, but I am immunocompromised and I work in healthcare so I fall into Texas's tier 1B and um, the shot itself didn't hurt. It, they're using tiny, tiny little needles. Um, I barely felt it go in but Boy, has my arm been sore for all, uh, the past uh, couple of days now. Um, it started about four hours after the shot was given. So, um, but I can't recommend the vaccine enough, y'all. I, I signed up. Yeah, I know there's I know there's a lot of concern about how it was rushed, um, and really it wasn't. Um, the Try Guys on YouTube actually put out a video this morning. Um, 
where they interviewed Dr. Fauci for about 15 minutes and it's very informative and Dr. Fauci is kind of the know-all um, for what's been happening in, in our world um, yeah. the past year now. Um, so so I, I highly recommend that video and I'll, I'll link it in our description, but I really recommend the vaccine if, if and when you're able to get it. I know um, there are plenty of people like pregnant women and breastfeeding women and people who have certain um, illnesses and allergies that are not able to get it. So, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to shame you at all. Um, but for those of us who can get it, but for those of you who are able to get it, and I understand if you want to wait a while, um, but I just hope that by the summer you feel more comfortable, um, with it. If um, Francis starts growing anything, we will let you know through yeah, this podcast. I have not grown horns yet. I'm really disappointed. So I don't know when those are coming in, but also I want to add just because I'm half vaccinated today, um, thanks to Dolly Parton herself, I did get the Moderna vaccine. Um, that doesn't mean I won't be maintaining social distancing and wearing my mask. I am still immunocompromised and the vaccine helps me stay well, but doesn't necessarily prevent me from carrying COVID and passing it to others. So staying away from people for the most part, um, you know, keeping my distance, wearing my mask, washing my hands thoroughly. That's something I plan to do for many, many more months. I'm, I'm thinking probably for the next year, to be honest. And if, if that can cease earlier than next January, I'm going to be thrilled and I will be throwing a party. <laughs> yeah. We'll be uh, traveling to New York or wherever yeah. else to uh, explore. But all right. We wanted to kind of move into more of like a seasonal segment. It is January. And as people sometimes do, you're not obviously required to do this. We want to talk about if we set a new year's resolution. Um, for me personally, I think that accountability helps when you're trying to set a goal. And so that's more where we can set this goal here, like I said, time capsule kind of thing, to give us the ability to hold each other accountable to things that we might want to do, right? Because usually when you set a resolution, it's because it's something you want to accomplish. So I'll go first. Um, I have set a New Year's resolution. Um, I have two goals. Primarily, uh, I want to start drinking more water, um, and that's, it's like water and coffee are kind of the two that I'm thinking of. It's more or less that people who drink water more frequently throughout the day have better health sides, and so that's what I'm trying to do, right? And We're also in our 30s, and we know that water helps your skin, yeah. and um, we would like to not have wrinkles, so... My, one of mine is drinking more water as well, and I've got a massive breakout on the left side of my face right now. So <laughs> I'm hoping the water that I am drinking will help clear that up a little bit. <laughs> yes, exactly. But um, the second one I have is, it's more, it was inspired because uh, I follow Amazon Treasure Truck, and um, <laughs> they often give things at a discount. And one of the ones that they gave, what, or that you could buy, was I bought... Rosetta Stone Spanish oh. and it was because it was only like $50 for like ever and so I was like wow. Rosetta Stone for $50 forever and this is like Spanish one I was like yeah let's learn that because I really do believe that Spanish is probably the language that you should learn just to be better at like life and so I was like okay cool um, wow, and it's it's a romance language so if you know enough of one romance language you can infer yeah, several others. What's I'm not saying you fully understand. I'm just saying it's easy, easier to infer. Um, yes. 
you know, Spanish is, is similar to Portuguese, is similar to French. Italian. They're so Italian, what's ironic about that is that I took Spanish in high school for two years. Um, my Spanish names were, one was Luz, L-U-Z, and the other one was Paloma because it meant dove. And uh, Palomita de Maiz means popcorn, apparently. Um, anywho, I took <laughs> Spanish in high school. <laughs> And then I uh, took Italian in college, and I kept on speaking Spanish whenever I was in Italian class. So I dropped Italian, and then uh, I took Hindi later on, which had absolutely no no translation whatsoever. So that's what's ironic about the whole romance language. It's like it's very true, but I've gotten older now, and that's one of those things where it's like I just think that it's almost a respect thing if you can learn it and communicate with other people doing that. We shouldn't assume. That they speak English well, they're in America. Also, it's also dumb that in America, we don't learn other languages to the extent that most countries, countries learn languages. Most Americans are only fluent in English. Yep. And I say that as someone who's who took two semesters of Spanish in college, took Spanish all through elementary through the middle of high school. I took a lot of Spanish. And I know many Spanish nouns. And I know some of the verbs, but can I remember how to conjugate them? Could I speak to someone in Spanish? No. And it's embarrassing that America, um, the United States, allows our education system to do this. It's like I learned the same verbs and nouns for six years of life. And then it's like you get to college where you actually start learning. But it's like, why was I in, in primary school for... 13 years, kindergarten through 12th grade, learning these words. And I, college Spanish is so much harder than it should be yeah. for someone who took, took years, took Spanish for at least 10 years in school. Like that doesn't make any sense. So right. I majorly applaud this and anyone who's learning any languages other than their primary, their first language. Yep. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm using this app called Done. And it lets me know whether or not I did a goal or it sets times where it sends me a notification saying, hey, did you drink water? And so uh, I'm using it for both. Technically, I have yet to say yes to Spanish because I haven't installed it on my computer. I'm, I'm going through things. No. Uh, it works it's, insane. It's been right a now. week. We've already told yes. you it's been it's a week. It's been a week. It's it's my goal for the year. Okay, so I've got fifty one more weeks still to uh, start this, and it's more just a start. Like I don't think I'm gonna be a master of no. Spanish by the end of it. But, but but the goal to open your mind and learn something new like that is, is huge and very important. Yep. So what about you? Did you set a New Year's resolution? Um, I don't like New Year's resolutions, but I, I have a few goals in mind for the year. Um, I didn't put it on our script, so I'm, I'm off the cuff for the moment. But um, my stepsister um, recommended a journal to me several months ago, and I journaled for the first time this week. Um, so I want to start and continue journaling, um, not necessarily every day, but just regularly enough that... It, it's kind of a second nature and it's a way to get some of my thoughts and feelings out. Um, the day that I journaled this week, I was like, I, there's no way I'm going to fill up this page. I filled that page up in less than five minutes. I had <laughs> so much more to say than I thought. So um, that's, that's one of my goals this year is to start and continue journaling. journaling. Um, I want to be more active. I quit wearing my Fitbit last January. I was, uh, four-year wearer of Fitbit up until last January. 
Um, but my 2020 depression, as I, I know we all experienced some sort of 2020 depression, mine started early last year and I was not hitting my personal step goal, which was making me feel worse. So the goal that take stop stopping wearing my Fitbit was a mental health decision. Um, for the record, my goal is to get back to the American Heart Association's recommended 7,000 average steps per day. Um, we know 2020 only got worse after January. Um, so uh, in 2020, I bought myself, 2021, I have bought myself an Apple Watch. I picked it up on the first. Um, and I'm barely hitting 5,000 steps at this point, but I really, um, I'm working my way up back to 7,000 steps. And y'all, when you are working from home and not walking around the office, 5,000 steps is hard to get to. <laughs> I, I just looked at mine. It is uh, 5.51 uh, today at, uh, on PM, and I'm only at 1,700 steps today. Yeah. So, so it's, it's really hard to It's hit. a lot harder to hit that that 5,000 mark, let alone the 7,000 mark, when you are at home 90% of your time now. But um, last time we recorded... We did go for we a did go three for a mile walk. walk last time. Yeah. So. so that's another part of being more active is is I live near a lake and we went on that walk. It was about an hour and we did three miles um, and I felt really good. So hopefully Kate and I will be doing that more. Especially as we podcast more. Yes. Because people are wearing masks around the lake too, but it's outside and you're yeah. not, you're far away from other people. So say we, we passed maybe 10 people that entire hour and it was easy to like, you go to this side, we're going to this side. There was no, there was no congestion. And it's outside. And it's outside. Um, like Kate, drink more water. I'm really bad at drinking water. I was, when I was going to restaurants in the before times, I, I would get water most of the time in restaurants. It's a way to save money and it's how I would drink a lot of water. Um, but I'm really bad about drinking water, period. Um, I would rather drink juice or Sprite or even milk. I'm one of those weird people that likes milk um, before water. And I want to change that. I want to introduce water into that rotation <laughs> and drink more of it. And something else, I would like to read more. I read a lot in grad school um, for fun, not because of actual being in grad school. But academic readings are so heavy. And then to kind of decompress, I would read for fun. Um, and I read a lot of good stuff. Divergent was a big series about around the time that I was in grad school. So I remember I, I finished the Divergent series. Then um, the Maze Runner series. You know, there were a lot of good series coming out when I was in grad school. And so I just, I want to read more this year. And I've set a goal for myself to read 10 books this year. Because I think I read maybe two last year. And it's okay to set like... I've seen a lot of people who are readers, they always set like 100 as mm -hmm. their goal, and it's just, it's okay. Like, life is okay, so try to set a small goal, and then if you exceed it, you feel great about it yourself, yeah, too. I would, so. Honestly, I'd like to read at least a book a month, but I know that that, for me, right now, is unrealistic, which is why I chose 10 instead of 12, just so that I would give myself a little bit of grace. I'm going to give you tons of children's books, just so you finish them. <laughs> no, I want real I, books. I know. I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at your bookshelf right now. And you have Ready Player One up there. I need to read I Ready did Player just two. finish Ready Player Two. The audiobook is fantastic. Will Wheaton is great at reading it. So if you want someone to read it to you, I highly recommend that. Good stuff. All right. So let's go on to our shameless pop culture consumption for the past few weeks. 
I'm going to kick it off. I know Kate has also watched this and I'm sure you've heard plenty of other people talking about it, but Bridgerton. Um, Shondell Rhimes. If you have not watched it at this point, you should do yourself a favor. It's eight episodes of Victorian, not quite smut, but, you know, more more racy than most Shondaland. Yes. Um, and it's it's so beautifully shot. Everything, the costuming and, and the set pieces are really, really pretty. Plus, the music is excellent. If you have ever wondered what Billie Eilish's bad guy or Ariana Grande's thank you next sound like on the strings, you're in luck. The um, the six pop songs that were um, used as strings only, I believe Vitamin String Quartet did a, a couple of them, um, are on Spotify and Pandora. I listened to them on Pandora because I wanted to listen to them all at once instead of um, I I personally still have free Spotify even though Kate bought us as a podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, anywho. I'm uh, very confusing. I also watched Bridgerton. Uh, like Francis, we both watched it pretty much all in one sitting. I watched it in one night, meaning I started it at like 11 p.m. and did not go to sleep. I don't recommend that. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of what you... It, it does a good job of making you want to go to the next one. I think that the episodes are a little bit long uh, at certain times. And I was listening to another podcast that discussed it. And I think one of the points that they made that was re really resonated with me is that it is where they mix races, which is different for obviously anything Victorian, because Victorian is usually white, right? Like we've all seen Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, everything along those lines. Um, it's it's respected that they do that. But one thing that they posed in one of the podcasts I was listening to is Daphne, who's the main female lead. What if she was the black character instead of the man that's wooing her? Like the man, he's super hot. But at the same he's, time... He is beautiful and apparently been um, mentioned in the same breath as James Bond. So, wow. We, we will see. Well, <laughs> anywho, like, I really appreciated that, that because I think even when I was thinking about, like, Grey's Anatomy, is that's primarily a female who's a, a white character who's gray, right? And then the rest of the characters that have gotten really recognized are of different races, and Shonda's really good at this, but... That would have been the shock kind of value that I think that they were looking for. And Daphne was also one of my least favorite characters in the show. Daphne's really boring and I hate her bangs. I don't understand what's happening there. Yeah. And it, it's just where, <laughs> like, so apparently the Bridgerton books go mm -hmm. ab about each book being based off of one of the children of the Bridgerton family. Mm -hmm. And so if this is Daphne's introduction to us. And she really won't be a main character in the future series. Because it's going to be a series yeah. on Netflix. It's Shondaland. There's no way that it's a one-off. <laughs> it, it is where I wonder if that's our experience with her. Was that enough? Or Because they can't change the characters now. Like, the Bridgerton family is set. But if every Bridgerton had been a black character trying to get into a white kind of... or. Mm -hmm. Inter like and we're still the pride of the yeah. of the community. Like imagine that kind of message, especially set in Victorian. It could have been so crazy because mm -hmm. there was still somewhere the servant was black and she got pregnant out of wedlock. And but the queen is black. The queen is King, black. King George's wife Charlotte is black yes. in the show, which, which is part of how they 
explain away race, race in, in this situation, which is kind of nice because it's like how many monarchs in the Western world are black? One. We got, we Megan. got, we got half a one. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's and, just, and I say that as someone who loves Meghan Markle, we, we got half, a, half a monarch and she, they have stepped they away. Left. So, <laughs> so Bridgerton, that is, uh, we could talk about that for a while, but there are some podcasts out there if you want yeah, to get into it's, that. It's, it's a, it's a really fun show. And if, like Kate said, if they are going to focus on different Bridgertons in future series, I'm hyped for that because. Sister Eloise is way more She's fascinating. So cool. She's so cool. <laughs> and even uh, Eloise's friend, the um, Featherton girl, who ended up, spoiler alert, being... Um, Penny whatever. Uh, Penny Bridges. Lady Whistledown. Whistledown. Um, <laughs> I don't know what Penny Bridges is. <laughs> uh, she was really interesting. So... Um, I I would really look forward to the future. <laughs> I tried to figure out if Penny Bridges was something. It's yeah. not. <laughs> anyway, so my next thing is I have started rewatching The OC. It mostly holds up. There are still some problematic things, and they're on flip phones, which is so weird. <laughs> um, but thanks to HBO Max finally coming to Roku, I am able to watch it on my... T- 55 inch TV. <laughs> um, I've, I'm still in the first season. I'm almost done, but I finished the Oliver arc. Um, and another I sh- show I've never watched. You should watch that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't understand the Oliver arc. It was so cringy. I cringed for six episodes straight. Um, but Seth Cohen is still husband goals and captain notes forever. I have no idea what that means. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and kind of sadder news, Mean Girls, the Broadway musical, will not return when Broadway reopens, um, whenever that may be. Hopefully it, it's late this coming fall, um, you know, vaccine dependent. Um, but I was lucky. I think I saw the original cast when I saw it almost two years ago. Um, and it's a really, really, really fun show. Um, they took out the few problematic parts of the movie Um, And it pretty much just translated straight to stage. And then they added music on top of it. And the music's really good. Um, It's going on. It'll be back on tour when things are are safe. Um, So if it comes to your area when things are safe, I highly recommend the show. It's it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it, like I said, they really lifted the movie and put it on stage and and the characters are are really good. Um, So um, I would highly recommend that. I'm not going to comment too much on the movie they're making off of the musical, which is based on a movie, which is based on a book. What the hell? Yeah. I'm, that just sounds incestuous. Yeah, I'm not thrilled for the movie of the musical of the movie of the book, um, even with Tina Fey at the helm. So we'll see. I'll probably still see it. but Of course, Tina Fey. It's Tina Fey. We love her. So, And then to cap off my shameless pop culture consumption... Donald Trump has been banned from almost every major social media platform for inciting the violence of this week. And Twitter quickly, Twitter is one of my favorite social media apps and Twitter quickly turned from, Oh my God, we live in dystopia, which we do. I'm not denying that. Um, to just absolutely 
making fun of Donald Trump and his supporters because in addition to banning several high-level government officials along with Trump yesterday, they also got a lot, a rid of a lot of QAnon followers. And so people that are Trump supporters all of a sudden were missing thousands of followers and like did not understand why. It was hilarious. So <laughs> I actually follow an account called Trump Bot. <laughs> and it normally just notifies you when they like something or when they retweet something. And yesterday it was just basically going through this whole list of like Rudy Giuliani no longer follows this person or this person or this person or this person. <laughs> and he was literally, if you clicked on it, they were all suspended accounts. Almost <laughs> all of them were suspended accounts. I was just like, holy crap, that something's going on right now. And yeah. so so it, it's it's pretty late that the social media platforms are taking action. Um but really, I, I will take it because Twitter is a happier place now. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> All Kate, right. what about you? Yeah, no. So uh, I've kind of found that I've basically run out of TV to watch. And Which is wild. It's a weird feeling. <laughs> um, like, normally this is dead time because it's right after the holidays. So people go on their, like, breaks. And so they come back in February. But it's also where there are some shows that I don't really watch, like, regularly. I watch more passively. And those shows aren't even around for me to be able to watch. So I just want to kind of call that out is that like we're kind of seeing that like COVID has dried up some of this stuff. And so. And I, I expect that for yeah. several months. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, we know that several shows have gone back into production, but I, I expect this is going to probably be a lot like the writer, writer strike in 2008 yep. where things are not going to fully recover for probably two years. Yeah. And it, it's sad because I think it goes back to the whole idea that it's not just the celebrities that we see that make a shit ton of money doing these things. It's the people that are behind the scenes as well. So we've talked about how Broadway, the lights are off right now. Like, there are so many people that are out of jobs. And so it's it's really surprisingly, like, it's really surprising how hard it's going to be for that to recover. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoe's Extraordinary, Extraordinary Playlist uh, returned this week. Uh, I watched that show. What's interesting about it, and um, let's talk about the OC's dad, Peter Gallagher himself is in it. Um, he's actually a character that had, or has, I mean, spoiler alert, he dies. Um, has progressive spinal, supranuclear palsy, which fun fact, kind of. Um, it, my grandma had the same disease and passed from Never it as well. Uh, it's an interesting disease where you lose kind of all control of all your muscles, and so you end up just like being frozen almost. Oh, and it, awful. it's it's awful, but it's the guy that wrote the show. His dad had it, I think, as well, and it's very rare, and so people don't even know it exists. Right. And so it's interesting that they put it as a major character. And Peter Gallagher, come on, we all know who he is. He's pretty fantastic in everything he does, oh. starting with my introduction to him, which was center stage. Oh, well, you missed out on while you were sleeping. <laughs> um, the other thing is, is because this TV show, uh, like right now, has every TV show has run out of episodes for me to watch. I have been watching Sex and the City. Um, by the way, I did not realize that the name was Sex and the City. I thought it was Sex in the City. This is a Mandela effect. Have, do you know what the Mandela yes, effect is? Yes, of course. Is? Okay. So one of the other Mandela effects, and I attest to this one, is the Berenstain Bears. I remember the Berenstain Bears, but apparently it is the Berenstain Bears. Yeah. Which is 
I remember Steen also. There are a lot of people, and there's proof, I think. They found a VHS or something like that that has... And there's perfume. Yeah. That says sex in the city. And obviously it could be photoshopped. We live in the 21st century. Everyone can photoshop something. Um, But there are a couple of things that they found out in the wild that say sex in the city. Um, So it, it... that is that is something I, I will comment on other than I'm shocked it's the first time you've you've watched this show. Yeah. No, I mean it's kind of sus like when you think about like if it holds up as well cuz we talked about that with the OC but um especially post me too because even women towards men in it are pretty ugh. But uh, in general, I'm a big fan of Darren Star. I uh, was kind of introduced to him through Younger and Which then she when Emily in Paris came out this past fall, she was like, I love Darren Star. And I was like, well, I know she watches younger, but like he became Darren Star because of Sex and the City. So like I thought she had already watched this and she texted me the other day and was like, I'm watching Sex and the City for the first time. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Huh? Wait, guys, gotta understand <laughs> that uh, Darren Star on Younger made a huge impression on me. It must be because Hilary Duff is in it. So Lizzie McGuire in me uh, was excited. But uh, in general... I really like his shows because they're usually 25-minute shows, and I think that those are the best to binge watch. Unlike Bridgerton, you can kind of watch a couple, and uh, I kind of think about it like that girl that's the meme where, like, one look, she looks disgusted, and the other, she looks okay with the decision. Because, kombucha like, girl. Oh, kombucha girl, yes. <laughs> I spent, like, because imagine her on one side saying, I spent 10 hours watching 10 episodes. Ugh, so disappointed in herself. Versus, I spent 10 hours watching 20 episodes. Sounds so much better, but uh, ironically, still 10 hours. Um, the other thing I wanted to kind of call out is that Apple TV has some pretty good shows that people need to give more a chance to. Um, Ted Lasso, I just finished that one. I've it's, heard really good things It's about really, that. it's crazy because it's one of those characters who's like super positive and so people don't like it. And yet then all of a sudden they realize that like being positive towards other people can sometimes just work out. Uh, then on top of that, there's another show called Mythic Quest, which is amazing and it has a female video game pro- programmer on it it's also one of the best episodes i've seen of a character dealing with covid um their final episode so i'm not going to spoil that uh but you should watch that um because we're filming this after christmas i also watched both soul and wonder woman 1984 on christmas i still need to watch soul i know it'll be better than wonder woman I've, yes i know that for a fact it's pixar and but i still haven't watched it because i know i'm gonna cry Frances and I have had this conversation where I didn't like Wonder Woman 1984. She found it enjoyable. It's a fun movie. It, you're not meant to think too critically about it, although it does have some heavy themes and maybe, about excessive need and want. But Pedro Pascal is excellent. Um, I, always. I think most people agree that Pedro Pedro Pascal is the only character bright right spot yes. of Wonder Woman 1984. But I think, and maybe this is the thing, is that I watched these literally back-to-back with Soul first and Wonder Woman 1984, um, and I was beyond disappointed with Wonder Woman 1984. Um, I'm working on a theory that we'll probably discuss in the future about DC versus Marvel and how they tell stories. Um, and I think when you think about how DC creates a narrative around a character, they always explain almost too much. And that's how this movie came across, is that Marvel does a good job of just letting you infer things, where this one, because they explain so much, they almost have to be held responsible to explain other things. Like, if she lived through the Holocaust, why didn't you stop Hitler? It's a real question you have to ask if this person literally went through World War I, but didn't do anything to prevent World War II. 
I also have questions that I thought of during 1984. It's like, so did Diana Prince and Steve Rogers ever meet? Like, <laughs> I know, I know there it's DC versus Marvel, but like, theoretically, Wonder Woman should have been somehow involved in World War II. So did she and Steve Rogers meet? I need to know. No, uh, <laughs> he would not waste his time with her. But also too many Steves in her life at that point. I mean, true. Too many Steves. Um, I'm going to say that I watched His Dark Materials and I finished it and have multiple emotions regarding the ending. Um, ironically, Francis is the one that brought this into our podcast and I started I'm watching it. I'm trying to finish the book before I finish the season. I'm sorry. Yes, but at the same time, <laughs> you brought it into this podcast and I had to finish it without you. And so... Um, that's all I'm going to say about it, but I'm not okay with this because obviously Lin-Manuel Miranda is in this show and we've talked about him also. So it's literally a combination of all the things that I care about and I can't talk about it with Frances because she hasn't finished a book. So let's hope that one's her first book that she finishes in 2021. I have two more things that I watched that I'll just try to kind of cover really quickly because obviously this has gone already 46 minutes, but hey, we only do these monthly, so you have to divide it by like every week, and those are like only like 15 minute episodes, right? Um, Cobra Kai is phenomenal. Um, it delivered every way possible because Francis doesn't watch it, so I can kind of elaborate more here. Um, you can fully spoiler. If you've watched Karate Kid 2 recently when Daniel goes to Japan and sees all the people of his past. It is amazing. Uh, I love learning more about Kreese and what made him into the evil man that he became. Um, I do, uh, there was, there's one flashback where he's the busboy and the guy that walks in is the star football player. The problem I have with this is that yes, I assume that the star football player was him. But it wasn't because of personality. It was because literally that guy looks like Crease, where the guy that ended up playing Crease um, doesn't look like him. So I think that that's the one thing I'd say is like, look, I understand that you were trying to lead us down that, but the point is, is that that guy literally looks like Crease or could be Crease's son. And if you are trying to make a gotcha moment, uh, let's realize that it's not because of the personality of that person that you got us. It's because the guy looks like him. Um, and it's weird to think that then you'd start looking like your bully because you wanted to crease your eyes also. Um, finally, The Bachelor just started. And um, it's the first black bachelor. Matt is beautiful. He is. <laughs> it is almost maybe someone that I can get Francis to come and watch because he is very beautiful. But probably not. Um, but he started, I actually do a sports analytics, uh, webinar series with, uh, some other friends and things. And I, you have other friends. I do. What? Yes. You guys, I have other things and, um, we'll put it in the show notes. If you want to watch my uh, prediction on that, I'm trying to use statistics to predict who Matt James is going to choose. Um, just to give you a little bit of a spoiler, most females that win, meaning they win the bachelor. They're from California. Uh, they're 24. And the most common careers are either nurse, teacher, or model. Um, the, Shocking. The person that has, the only person that has won the entire show for The Bachelor and actually married The Bachelor, uh, she was a graphic designer. 
And so I chose her also. So I narrowed my scope down to 13 people of the 30 that I think will go far. And uh, after the first rows, uh, 11 of them are still alive. So, so far, statistics look like they might work. And I listened to a couple Bachelor Bachelorette podcasts. And Rachel Lindsay, who was the Bachelorette, predicts that one of mine is going to win and predicts another one is going to become the Bachelorette of my final four that I predicted. So... If statistics end up proving who someone's going to fall in love with, I'll have more of a belief in online dating. Um, also, I learned from another podcast that I listened to that they talked about The Bachelor. I didn't realize that he has never been on no. The Bachelorette. He is friends with someone who was on The Bachelor Bachelorette, and people were like, hey, ABC. <laughs> well, what's even more ironic about that is in my, in my research, and you can see this on my webinar, is... The Bachelorette has never been someone who was not also a contestant on The Bachelor, where The Bachelor has regularly, and not recently, but pretty frequently just found successful dudes to be yeah. on it, and that's so sexist. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you guys. We got some pretty baller, baller women out here, too, and you can find them and make them just become The Bachelorette without having actually been on The Bachelor first, because that would be awesome to have equality. All right, pop culture is done. We ready to get started? Uh, yeah, if we hadn't already gotten started. So I let's mean, do it. with your theory or, okay. or slash our debate because this is a little bit different today. Yes, so we are going to take a little bit different approach today. Uh, rather than doing a pop culture theory, both Francis and I have recently rewatched uh, Gilmore Girls. It, COVID, obviously, caused us all, a lot of people to probably rewatch it and... During that time, I thought maybe there was a chance that my 13-year-old self was wrong. And as I aged, I would have been more similar to Rory and found maybe other boyfriends she had as better options for her. Because I was Team Jess when I was 13 and... I thought maybe I was just liking the bad boy, right? Like that kind of thing. Like he had like dark thoughts and whatnot compared to her being an innocent little kid. And I was like, yeah, me too. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but upon rewatch, I believe that Jess was the best boyfriend on Gilmore Girls and the person that Rory should have ultimately ended up with. I don't love Jess. I think Logan was better for Rory in the long run. There, he had his moments, and we will cover that. But Kate and I both agree, Dean is the worst. Oh, yeah, Dean's the worst. And there's absolutely no case to be made for Dean. No discussion. So anyone, Dean apologists can get out. <laughs> if you are a Dean standhard, you are not going to enjoy this whatsoever because... We are going to dunk on Dean the most. Yes. <laughs> And a lot of this will be in comparison to all three. So, like, just to kind of recap, Rory grows up in Stars Hollow. She dates Dean first episode, basically. They fall in love. They date for around three seasons. Um, then Jess comes into town as the nephew of Luke, the guy that always shows up in every episode, right? Uh, for Lorelai. The, co the coffee and pancake supplier. Exactly. That's all he does. That's what he's here for until later on. But um, basically, we have Jess come into town and shake things up. No one likes Jess. 
because they think he's up to no good. He's a troublemaker, blah, blah, blah. He's, and he is a troublemaker. And he has a scowl <laughs> on his face all the time. But um, at the same time, he's different with Rory, which is where everyone kind of pushes them together thinking that Rory can she'll help be a him good change. influence on yeah. him. But in reality, Rory is kind of fed up at this point with being kind of such a good person and people aren't really seeing her for her. They are just seeing her as the kid that never messes up, right? And, like, I think we've all kind of been there at some point in our lives where we were living a narrative and then people kind of started treating you differently as a result and didn't really give you the benefit of doubt to grow and develop. And that was what Jess was because he was new. He saw her differently. Like, he saw her as someone who reads really intense books, not just someone who likes to read. Someone who's reading actually very philosophical books and someone who has goals and sees the world differently. And they're in high school, so she's reading outside of the classes she is being forced to read in. So even though maybe she has to read Catcher in the Rye, her copy looks more worn than someone who's only read it once or twice. It's something she reads regularly and it's something that he identifies with because he reads it regularly. So here I am. I, f I can see the merits of... Jess. I see the merits of Jess. I see the merits of Logan. I personally pick Logan, um, which is why we're going to kind of debate this out a little bit. But Dean is just a jock. Oh, yeah. He's so, gross. He just The reason why we're going to cancel out Dean at this point, because this is basically when Rory similarly cancels out Dean, is Dean doesn't know what he wants to do in his life. And that's not, there's nothing against that. Like, I still don't know what I want to do in my life. I was just saying, we're in our 30s. We don't know what we're doing. But at the same time, <laughs> he has so decidedly, decide, like, made this choice while kind of being very naive in thinking that, oh, no, I'll just figure it out with you while you have all these aspirations. And I think there is something to this be said that, like, if you have different levels of aspiration it may be hard for someone for you to have those conversations and it's more just like this is someone that you're gonna have to live with for a long period of time I mean people marry their high school sweethearts I'm not saying it, you can't do I was that. just say it happens yes it it's not it's a non-zero number one of my two two of my best friends met in high school and have a have been married for almost 10 years now like it's, it, it happens. It happens. And we're, it, but it's usually where you're, you kind of set similar goals for yourselves and you are working towards those and things along those lines all just line up. And, and if you don't have similar goals set, you have a similar mindset at the, mm -hmm. at the bare minimum to where we're both in this same boat of maybe we don't know what we want to do to get to do with our lives, but we're going to figure it out together. Yeah. And in, this situation, Rory is light years ahead maturity-wise and knowing what she wants to do with her life. And he's just like, I'm along for the ride. It'll be fine. And it's like, that's that's not an equal mindset. Right. And I think we, we can probably both agree that Dean was a good first boyfriend. I think he's an excellent first boyfriend. I think by the time they break up, and I don't think they break up in the best of circumstances. No, definitely um, not. But by the time they break up and by the time they're seniors in high school, it's very apparent that he is stuck in the same mindset that he was when they met. And Rory has only furthered her career goals 
from 16 to 18 and knowing that she's going to go to an Ivy League school and she wants to be a journalist and she wants to travel the world and be the next Christian Amanpour. And it's, those are very lofty goals for someone else, for your partner to not really have any goals whatsoever. And it's a growth thing because I think it goes back to like everyone in the community saw her as this kid that likes to read and they, they've seen her grow since she was like a baby, right? Literally. But at the end of the day, like she is at this point where she has grown and people are still recognizing her as a child, except for Jess. And Jess sees her as, oh, you're a really fascinating person who thinks differently, even though you've grown up in this sheltered world, because comparatively, Jess hasn't grown up that way. So look, Dean, we get it. You, you are a great first boyfriend, but at the end of the day, I think some of your later actions, which we'll talk about as well, uh, speak to the idea that you weren't ready for a relationship with someone like Rory. So now that De uh, Dean and Rory have broken up, uh, pretty much immediately she starts dating Jess. And so Jess and Rory had already shared a kiss by the time that she actually had broken up with Dean. And then they get together afterwards. Um, and a lot of this, all I have one thing that happened during this time is Jess left and came back too. And Rory had been pulled to go to New York to find him even and went there. And so like, in a way, there's always been this draw for Rory behind with Jess. And for the most part, she falls pretty hard. Um, she is very intrigued by him. And I think that there's something to be said that she he is the first person that Lorelai starts thinking that Rory will have sex with. And um, I think that also speaks to the whole idea of like, he's more of a sexually driven character for Rory. And she's a senior in high school, I think. And, she's or she's a junior, junior in high school. Senior, so yeah. it's like, she's at that point where that's kind of what Lorelai is worried about because that's when she had Rory. And so Lorelai has reason to say this, but had it been Dean, she wouldn't have said the same thing. And so I do think that one thing that kind of uh, poisons Lorelai's opinion of Jess and also then poisons some of the audience's opinion of Jess is Lorelai's hatred to Jess. Because Lorelai, everyone loves. Everyone at this point, and even myself re-watching it, is where it's like, God, she is the coolest person ever. She's the coolest mom ever. And I love my mom. My mom's awesome too. Don't get me wrong. We watched Gilmore Girls together. And so it's like, I, I kind of relate Lorelai to my mom. But like, her hatred of Jess is very apparent. And she normally gives a lot more people benefit of the doubt, but she really never gives Jess that benefit of the doubt. Granted, Jess did take the bracelet. He shouldn't have taken the bracelet. If you all know what I'm talking about, Rory loses a bracelet that Dean gave her, and then Jess somehow puts it back, and Lorelai accuses him of stealing it. She didn't. He didn't steal it. He found it. He just kept it instead of giving it back. And he also tried to steal some beers. Not a great look. But but that was right when he started. I was going to say, that's right when he got there. And, After and his mom was didn't say, want him. Right. Was that his most, to be honest, his most troubled because his mom had just offloaded him onto his uncle. So, I mean, not a good look, but also kind of. In a small town where he's from New York City, too. So yeah. it's like he literally was taken out of one world and put into another one feeling like a rejected kid. It, it's definitely where you can, you should have a little bit more patience with him. And I think that's even what Luke says to Lorelai after having, finding out yeah. about this. And it's just this whole thing where it's just like, 
Lorelai never gives Jess the benefit of the doubt, and Lorelai is Rory's best friend. And so that being kind of the environment that this relationship starts in is where Rory and Jess never really had the chance. And ultimately, I think Milo Vintimagala might have wanted to leave also because really pretty quickly he's written out. And it was very much where he comes to Grandma's house one night with a black eye because he got in a fight with a swan. Just and the weirdest story. He I, didn't say, I, I got in a fight with a swan. It's, I don't blame people for not believing he got in a fight with a swan. Oh, no, 100%. 100%. <laughs> but it's the weirdest thing where it's just like, just say you got in a fight with a swan. And if they don't believe you, it's fine. But at the same time, that's actually what happened. Like, literally where that happened. So it's just the weirdest thing that he's like has to be cocky about this whole thing. And it is where he's not mature at that point. But we we... After he leaves, he eventually leaves. Grandma hated him too. Everyone hated him. Um, he gets sent. He goes to Venice Beach because his dad finds out that he finds him and all that kind of thing. And a lot of it was that they were going to do a spinoff. They were actually they filmed a pilot even for a spinoff. I was gonna say this was a backdoor pilot. Yes. So they tried to have because Jess was people like Jess. They wanted to know more about him. I'll be honest. I didn't think his dad was all that great. I didn't think kind of the plot line of where they were going, but. I am interested in that pilot. If someone wants to send it to me, I would definitely watch it because I did did think that Jess was like, just like he was the right character at the right time for Rory. I agree with that. And so now I'm going to let you tell, I'm going to let Francis tell you the story of Logan and then we'll get into why our debate. So Rory goes off to Yale. She quickly befriends Marty, AKA naked guy. Um, and then we learn her sophomore year at Yale that Marty bartends to make money because he is um, not as blessed as Rory and our soon-to-be Beau Logan um, and being able to have parents or grandparents afford Yale for him. So he works a lot of jobs, and one of those is a bartender for private parties, and Logan has hired him on many occasions. Um, They're at a coffee cart. We all know Rory loves her coffee. Um, and Logan is kind of an asshole. I'm not going to deny that at all. He's, he is the ultimate frat bro. Um, he's, he can be very gross. Um, but ultimately Rory and Logan start to hang out more. They have a ton of, ton in common. Their families know each other. Um, and that, you know, that, that's not the end all be all. You're, you don't have to have your families know each other, but there's, a common ground in that you're from the same type of family. And Logan's um, part of a secret society. And Logan's part of um, the Life and Death Brigade, and Rory does an investigation for the Yale Daily News into that, and they invite her in as, as an observer, where she does not only observe, she jumps off that giant tower that looks rickety as fuck. It does. It definitely <laughs> looks insane. Uh, I mean, but it is where... Logan is kind of also offering that excitement that Mm -hmm. Dean wasn't. So in the meantime, by the way, she's lost her virginity to Dean while Dean was married. Because Dean quickly remarries. Dean got engaged at 18. No. And then married. Like, this is going back to maturity levels. Like, we're not saying that Jess and Logan are the most mature people. They're not. They're definitely not. But they are light years ahead of Dean. (laughs) Because Dean literally. And then she starts dating Dean. But Dean doesn't try to, like. 
it's this whole like entitlement thing where Dean all of a sudden is like, yo, I threw up, I broke up my my wedding, my wife with uh, or whatever, my marriage yeah. before you and all that stuff. And it's like, but then he's mad that she's going to Yale, and it's just like she was always gonna go to either Harvard or Yale. I mean, this was not this is not a surprise. This is not news. <laughs> and it's also like it goes back to the whole thing where she has goals and Dean didn't, and so that's one thing that's happened. Is so like what when she meets Logan. She's actually technically still dating Dean at the time. Yeah. And and Logan is, is from a newspaper family, which is opportunistic for Rory, which is, you know, you can view that how you want. That's good or bad. Um, Even though he's part of the Dale Daily News, he technically doesn't do anything. I was going to say, he, he's there because of who his father is and, and what his father can do for the Yale Daily News. Um, and we see that in a later episode where he calls in some favors with a printer when when Paris loses her absolute mind. Totally. Um, but I just think there's a lot there's a lot in common between Rory and Logan. And my ultimate decision, I didn't watch Gilmore Girls when it was on. I pretty much binged it when it when it was on at the time ABC Family now Freeform. They would show everything in order, and so afternoons in college it would come on two hours at a time and so honestly I got bangs in college because of Rory Gilmore and Anne Hathaway and Devil Wears Prada I did too um <laughs> it does not look like me on on me the same way it does them um but I started watching Gilmore Girls pretty much the year after it was over on ABC Family and for you know two, in two hour increments and so I quickly caught up and that was essentially binge binge watching in in the late 2000s um as you can get to it, yes. <laughs> um so i caught up very quickly and was my my decision was logan is the best for her he turns into an absolute asshole but because of their commonality of how they were raised even rory being raised by lorelei and lorelei having her at 16 the relationship that Rory has with her grandparents and having that foot in that type of world of debutantes and McMansions and, and being able to go to the Ivy league and, and not batting an eyelash at the um, tuition and the types of people she was around. Um, there's that commonality can go a long way. And when they're that young, you know, I think Logan is actually two years older than Rory, but in Yale, they're only a year apart. Um, that commonality when you're that young can go a long way. And so um, I think her turning Logan down on the engagement was ultimately the right thing to do. Um, and them somewhat being together in the revival from four years ago was not shocking to me because it made a lot of sense that they would somehow gravitate back towards each other. They had a lot in common. Um, he was still an asshole. He still needed to grow up. But that commonality, like I've said, can go a long way and they had a lot in common. He had some sort of drive. He was working at startups in the revival and that, that takes a lot of discipline. Um, so even though he seems very undisciplined, there are aspects of Logan that are very disciplined and very hardworking versus obviously we know Dean is not. <laughs> yeah, Dean is not. Dean is not, y'all. Because let's just go real quick. Before we kind of, before I completely debunk all of Francis's points here, we're gonna shit on Dean some more. There are basically like three major milestones that signify to me that that Jess was the best option for Rory and was 
basically the best person to communicate with her as well. But uh, during the time that all this is happening, Jess does go off and become a book publisher as well as publishes his own book. And this is the follow through that I think is really important about Jess's character because when he was that troubled kid, his goal was still always to become a writer and his goal was always to get back to the big city. And those are two things that he's able to accomplish. Granted, we know he eventually went off and moved in uh, into California, but since California, he moved to Philly and he lives with other writers and author and artists. And he created a commune, basically, where then they start publishing their own work because he believes that some of those big or bigger companies have lost that kind of same uh, ability to really find true natural talent. Mm -hmm. And this is completely con like the opposite of what happens with Logan, right? Is like mm -hmm. Logan does live off of nepotism a lot. Mm -hmm. He gets a lot of his opportunities based off of who he knows. Whereas, and his dad's a total asshole. His dad causes Rory to quit Yale. And... Logan really doesn't do much to stop this. Correct. So, what ultimately... Also, side note, it still pisses me off that she graduated in four years after taking a full semester off of Yale. I almost had to take... I had to take 18 hours one semester and a May semester to graduate on time. So... I took an extra half semester because I, I could. <laughs> well... Rice paid for yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, there... If you take 15 hours a semester and you skip a semester... It's almost impossible to still it, go. You cannot graduate in four years. The only thing I'd say <laughs> is she might have transferable credits based off of going to Chilton. And that's very possible that she had some of her basics out of the way. But there, it's still hard to graduate in four years if you take an entire semester off. For so sure. That is, that is my side note. Yes, but let's of, go back to the point of here. Lo of Logan is not a good influence on Rory. Yes. I will fully admit to that well, as well. And it, it, it's, <laughs> it goes back to like though, like Dean was not a good influence for her aspirationally, but it never held her back. Right. Whereas the thing about Logan is he can literally do anything. He is a guy who has the means financially as well as already owns some of these things. Like, there's this episode where they go out to the Hamptons and literally with Lorelai and Luke, and uh, Lo Logan's able to share his father's private beach house with the Gilmores. And I don't have that option, personally. And so it's like this whole level of comfort that I think is very desirable to someone but it's not going to nurture the right environment. And ultimately, that's exactly what happens to Rory, is Rory almost turns into, and she does at one point, one of the DAR women uh, that her mom, I mean, grandma, is so connected with. And it is even to the point where then her grandparents realize she has lost all aspirations. Now, so my question to you, Francis, is who is the person that returns that create, gets Rory to go back to school? It's Jess. It's Jess! When, it's Jess! When Jess returns, that is the cringiest episode. I hate it so much. It is just an hour-long pissing match between Jess and Logan. And I hate it so much. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It is. It and is. They're, both, it's, they're both jealous of each other. It's not like one's jealous of the other. But Dean, I mean, yes. Jess is rightfully pissed off that Rory has dropped out of Yale. I, that that and, is... That is a fact. But we gotta kind of think about this as like, yes, it's cringy, it's horrible. But the thing is, is at this point, it's been an entire semester of Logan dealing with Rory 
not being having any aspirations and in one day in one day Jess is able to come back into her life and get her back into college so I still think at that point it's like that yes it is where the the cringiest episode for sure and it is where you literally want to punch both guys in the face but Jess is able to say in one comment something that motivates Rory to actually go out get off her ass and go out back to school and the whole idea here is that Jess cuts through the social constraints that are created by some of these other people and that and it's because he always communicates with her on the intellectual level. I was going to say he understands her in a way that that so many don't and I will for sure give that to you. Um, for the record, I think the baby is Logan's and for the record, I think uh, yes. Jess helps raise <laughs> Oh, no, no. And that, that in a way that's actually like what I think like we're we're kind of coming to the point where it's like okay, so finally the last season quasi season, I guess you'd call it a year in the life is where, and it is where it's like, I think that Rory starts realizing her own ambitions again. And that's part of the reason why she, she breaks up with Logan ultimately at the end of the first season. I mean, at the end of the final season. Also, let me say in the revival, when Rory doesn't know what she's doing, cause she's 32, I relate to that very heavily. Yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> but before we get to the revival, cause I want to spend a little bit more time cause that's obviously where Jess kind of comes back. This is the last time we see Jess in the normal show is Jess does not come to anything else in the normal show. So this was our finale with Jess in the show. From this, Logan does start the startup. He puts all of his money into it and doesn't and gets his dad on board. And then his dad finds out that the startup isn't really his idea. And ultimately then Logan falls into another depression of sorts. And this is where Rory kind of realizes the opposite, which is kind of interesting too. The contrast that happens here is that when Logan gets super depressed, Rory gets pissed. Where when Rory was super depressed, Logan didn't really get pissed. No, he he just, kind of loved he, the fact that she was living in this pool yeah, house and just, able to just fuck, like, fuck. Yeah, right? he, he just rolls with it and is like, cool, it's whatever, you're fine. And so this goes back to the whole <laughs> two-sidedness of this relationship is that she's always more invested in him than he is in her. And I think that that goes into this whole idea of like, he, yes, don't get me wrong, I understand that Logan was a womanizer who changed his ways for Rory of all sorts, but at the end of the day, like, I think he did that because she was a, something to achieve. And so once he had her, it was less about investing into her, it was more into basically still himself. And so this goes into where I think she's she has to break up with him at the end basically because he's not ambitious and he doesn't have the same level of um like I don't know drive all right so the last thing we want to cover is basically that revival the year in the life and we want to kind of talk about that because that is where Jess is once again again reintroduced and it's when Rory has once again started sleeping with a married man not engaged our girl is just tough look after tough look for our girl um it, it's just it's annoying because at the end of the day, like, Je like Rory is beautiful. She's dating some dude named Paul that no one remembers. It is still better than Dean. It is still better than <laughs> Dean. Uh, Dean shows up at one point, but his his is the worst of all yeah. of them because, because he, he was forced. I, well, and that actor is, is on Supernatural, so his, his schedule for shooting the revival, I know the schedule was pretty thrown together to begin with. 
um, but his schedule was was probably just as booked as Melissa McCarthy's. Oh yeah, which and is, she was barely on it, too. which is why he was barely in it. So yeah, but at the end of the day, like it, Jess has a little bit more of a real moment with Rory um, because he's in town for the wedding of Luke and Lorelai. And you can kind of still see that he still harbors feelings for her. They do the whole, like, kind of looking at her and kind of thinking moment in that. Um, but at the same time, she's still fucking Lauren, L- Logan, sorry. And I and it goes back to, like, I feel like half the reason why she likes Logan is because she gets to fly to London. And that's where she gets to hang out with him in the, in the story. Is Girl... If we could all do it, I think exactly. We all would. <laughs> like, I th- and I really, I really think that that's a huge aspect of this whole thing is that like Logan is kind of that boy from college that you still harbor feelings for. He's the ex that you kind of reinvigorated a relationship with. But like, at the end of the day, she's yeah, she's back at that point where she doesn't know what she's doing with her life, et cetera, et cetera. And ultimately, she gets pregnant. Um, like Francis already said, I think it's Logan's. I think it's Logan's. There's a small chance it's Chewbacca's. It's not Chewbacca's, though. It's Logan's. <laughs> yeah, definitely not Chewbacca's. Um, that was a great episode. It that was, was actually, so like, good. one of the best parts of, like, a year in the life. It wasn't the best, uh, show in general. I kind of hope they do another one because I feel like they end it with her finding out she's pregnant and telling Lorelai. Yeah. And it just... It's not the right ending, whereas even, like, her leaving Yale without Logan, going off to take on the world after being told by Mitch Huntsberger that she was never going to become a journalist, and her actually getting a job in journalism, and everything that was associated with that, that was more of a well-rounded character arc. Mm -hmm. And leaving us on a cliffhanger is just really not the best way to cater to your Gilmore Girls audiences. I also think it's... And I say this as someone who never intended on getting a master's degree. I think it's odd that Rory hasn't gone back to grad school. Yeah. To be quite honest, in some form or fashion, to get her MBA, to get her law degree, to do something. I'm truly, really surprised that even if she dropped out of grad school because she got some gig doing something, I'm surprised she has not gone back to school, period. Right, exactly. And like... It's also where, like, we know that she was working with Obama. Mm-hmm. Like, because the whole idea was, like, Obama came and spoke at Yale, and she went and traveled with him on his tour of uh, of his president's presidential candidacy. I was going to say, in the early, early stages of his president presidential campaign, she was on that trail covering Apparently. it for a small news outlet. Something, like, I mean... We know Buzz like Wired or something like Buzz that, Feed, right? Like Buzzfeed has its faults, but something that was targeting young people like a Buzzfeed. Yeah, it was an online journalism source for young people, and she was going to be their political voice. And she freaking followed the Barack Obama campaign, which it would just open. It would have opened up every door known to mankind. Yeah. and I think that that's so, where it's yeah. like she might not have wanted to continue to do journalism. I think she would have, but um, I think that it. It was hard to believe that she was at such a stage in her life where she had nothing, no idea what to do. Also, at the same time, it was shocking how much Paris had accomplished in that given same time frame. Like, medical school and medical residency and everything associated with that, she would have basically barely been out of a fellowship not starting a whole fertility clinic. I'm sorry. Like, that timeline, 
And it's out of respect to all of our medical professionals, and say, I'm going to say that. We, we know a lot of doctors. <laughs> yes. It is where, as ambitious as you can possibly be, Doogie Hauser is not real because of how long it takes to become a real doctor who can do mm-hmm. things on their own. And, and as specialized as fertility is, she would have had to have... At least 10 more years. Had to have a fellowship. Yes, 10 more years. So it wouldn't have been shocking if she was working in fertility, but the fact that she owned the clinic was kind of weird. And already had two kids with Doyle. Everything along those lines. Yeah, the fact fact that Paris had children, period, was weird for me. Agreed, agreed, actually. (laughs) Um, But anywho, like, once again, Jess comes back into Rory's life and kind of inspires her once again to start going out and looking for something that she's passionate about. It was where, again, he was that voice of reason. And I think that that was the thing to me where it's like, when I think of a partner, I want someone who can honestly work with me to inspire me to continue to get the most out of myself and not just someone I settle with. And I feel like Logan is the guy that Rory always settles for because it's easy to be with him. And sometimes easy is not best. And I think, and this is all kind of just to, to kind of put a bow on my opinion is I think Rory would be her best self with someone like Jess because he knows how to communicate to her when she's at her lowest points. And he also is the person who uh, really always sees her in her best self also. And so not only is he pushing her to become that person, but he sees her already there. So she's not broken. She's not these other things. And that's just what would make the perfect boyfriend on a TV show like Gilmore Girls. Have I convinced you? Partially. Yes! But also, hey, I'll take it. I'll take give, it. Give me the across the universe night of fun with Logan because that is a fun sequence. Oh, it was amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. It would be so much the, fun to And date. the fact that it was across the it universe was, music oh, oh, and it God. wasn't just the Beatles. It was from across yes. the universe. Oh, it's so good. It's so fun. And, and I will say, they would have a ba- beautiful baby. They would have the most beautiful baby. It would. Their eyes it would is. automatically bright, be bright blue. Like, that's, uh-huh. that is a fact. And, like, <laughs> the, the hair color would turn out to be either red or some sort of, like, light brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be a beautiful baby. Don't get me wrong. It just goes back. And I think, like you said, too, I think that would be a great next season is Jess raising Logan's baby. Mm-hmm. I am totally down for that, too. I, I think because Jess would be there to stay. The only problem I have with it is it's just Lorelai and Luke 2.0, and I don't necessarily want that for Rory. And we know clearly Rory's in her 30s at this point. She's not having a child when she's in her, when she's a teenager or anything. So it, it is different in that way. Um, but like we've said, Rory's so ambitious, and it would just feel weird. And I, you know, we don't know that Jess wouldn't propose and they would get married eventually. But it, again, it would just be Lorelai and Luke 2.0 to me. Except, and maybe, except for I will say, the maybe whole, fewer problems, maybe yeah. the maybe fewer getting together, getting and the breaking whole, up. The whole that. idea that April would have caused so much chaos for Luke. I don't think Luke would have fallen out of love that quickly no. just to try to take care of his daughter that he found out about. Like that whole plot line was very forced to me yeah. because it had already been about six seasons of will they, won't they, that it wouldn't have all of a sudden turned into, oh, no, they won't, while Lorelai's ready and Luke's not. Like, that was a very forced plot line, so that's my only thing about it, is I think that, like, Rory and and Jess have already had the will they, won't they, so if they got together, they'd be together. And it would be more around probably her having to deal with the fact that it's Logan's kid, not telling Logan, telling Logan one or the other, Mm -hmm. and then 
just that whole pissing match too yeah. where it's like but the whole point would be where it's just like I think it would amount to kind of the whole thing where it's like you never really saw me the same way that he did and you saw me as someone you had to take care of rather right. than someone who would take care of themselves if you had inspired me the right way yeah so yeah so I oh yeah but fuck Dean <laughs> just, just period that is that is that is our argument together is we can all agree that Dean is the worst and I will, and we're going to say this during the wrap-up segment, I will invite any one of you out there who wants to come in and argue Dean's side of this whole thing. Because as much if as... If you can make it beyond Dean as a good first boyfriend, we will give you a platform. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> I want to know. I like Because it just seems so obvious that it's either Logan or Jess. And in my opinion, it's Jess. And hopefully I've kind of convinced a few of you guys to join me. But uh, at the end of the day... Logan, I mean, Dean is just shit. Dean is not the guy that you marry. No, Dean. It feels like fuck, Mary kill. Okay, let's be honest here. Fuck, Mary kill. Fuck, Logan. Marry Jess and kill Dean. Yes. I don't disagree. Yes! Good. Which is kind of the argument of this podcast yes, right it is. now. It is exactly the argument. I win! We, we just titled our podcast. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. This is true. Fuck, Mary kill, Gilmore Girls edition. Um, but yeah, fuck Dean. Fuck Dean. But not in, in the FMK. No, right. Kill Dean then. <laughs> All right. So now that we've covered Gilmore Girls and everything that has to do with that uh, world, uh, I do want to recommend Marvelous Mrs. Maisel also by uh, Amy Sher Sherman Palladino and Daniel Palladino. Fantastic show also. We're going to go on to our song game. So uh, if this is your first episode that you've decided to join us for, uh, I believe that there is a Taylor Swift song for everything. And Francis probably believes that there's a Billie Eilish song for everything. It's true. We were just talking about how um, my version of Taylor Swift Because I've always had this Billie theory. Eilish. I, yeah. I freaking love Billie Eilish. I think she has the coolest sound. Um, but my ultimate of all time is Lady Gaga. Oh, that's um, true. You do like her a lot. But I feel like you you see the like whole where you are in life yes. as Billie Eilish. Yes. Where I see where I am in life as Taylor Swift. Yes. And so that's that's why I always say that like the whole idea is like if you had a soundtrack for your life at certain points, a lot of my songs would come from Taylor Swift and a lot of yours come from Billie Eilish. Which is bizarre because Billie Eilish, I've only been aware <laughs> of her for a year. <laughs> She's done great things in that She year. really has. Um, anyway, so our songs for the month, in honor of Mean Girls not returning and Trump getting some of his just desserts, I've chosen the song Revenge Party from Mean Girls, the Broadway musical. It is a fun song, and it just makes my heart sing. Um, like I said, if you are able to see Mean Girls on tour, when things are opening back up and safe and the tour comes to your area, highly recommend it. it. It's a really fun show. And Revenge Party is is one of many fun songs. And um, I had a different song that I was initially going to do, but now I have to do this because I, I feel like we should do a Broadway theme. And you and I have talked about this a lot, and I think it's one of Frances's best theories that she has never shown on shared on this podcast, <laughs> is the song Farmer Refuted. By Lin Manuel Miranda in Hamilton is the most applicable to this stage in my life of all things. So if you can't remember, there's a line in it where it says, "This Congress does not speak for me." 
And it is just where literally sitting as someone who our congressional representative for Texas is Ted Cruz. I cannot say more that this guy does not speak for me. And it is weird because in that context, it is the wrong I was to say, in the context of Farmer Refuted, it is a loyalist saying the Continental Congress does not speak for him. He does not want to be part of the revolution. He wants to stay a part of the colonies. Um, But when we were driving to go vote in October, I was like, I was listening to this this morning and I realized that like... We're about to have to vote against John Cornyn, who was up for re-election and ultimately got re-elected. And, and Ted Cruz was re-elected two years ago over Beto, Beto oh, which I God, still so can't sad. understand. Um, but I was like, our, our congressional representatives certainly don't speak for me. Nope, Although me Cornyn this week was partially on the right side in yeah, still doesn't matter in this case. Still does not matter, period. He's but still sitting next to Ted Cruz, who's fighting true. the opposite. So, so. Um, and then um, another part of that song this week applied, and I can't think of it right now. But uh, Chaos I, and Bloodshed are not, are a, not solution. a solution. That, yeah. That's the one. Uh, yeah, I got you. I got you. I, I thought about this where I was like, this. And it was where Francis had tweeted that. And I was like, yeah, I think that that just needs to be included in our songs on Spotify. And I think it honestly kind of puts a bow on this whole thing where, yes, that is exactly how I feel and you also probably feel. That this is a moment in history where we had to realize that Congress doesn't always speak for us, so we have to vote when we get the opportunities. And on the same time, chaos and bloodshed is not a solution. Because as I tweeted, I think Ted Cruz should step on some Legos, pour white coffee coffee on his white t-shirt, and ultimately be held uh, for his actions. You know what also hurts to step on and people don't give it enough credence? Barbie brushes. Do you remember stepping on those? No. Those, those don't hurt quite as bad as Legos, so I will give everyone stepping on Legos all day. Yes. But I would also add, step on a Barbie brush, because they're not comfortable either. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's another word of wisdom for Francis for this episode. Um, thank you all so much for joining us. What did you think about Kate's theory? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you agree with me about Logan? Do you disagree? Do you think... Dean is the best boyfriend. We don't believe you. We don't believe you, but we would like to hear your opinion. Um, because no. Because no. <laughs> because no. <laughs> we we would like you to, to visit one of our, our many platforms and keep our conversation going. You can visit us on Twitter at Pod Theory or send us a line from our website, theorythepod.com. Uh, we've started that playlist on Spotify to discuss to share all the songs that we've discussed. And the link is on the About section on our uh, website. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Dairy the Pod. Uh, we look forward to continuing this dialogue with you all in the future episodes. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcast platforms. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today or in our other episodes, tell a friend. Telling friends helps us grow, and as marketing professionals, we know word of mouth is crazy valuable. Please rate and review us in the words of our favorite podcast, Binge Mode, five stars only because that helps us get the word out about this podcast, and we appreciate it more than you know. This podcast is hosted by Kate Chura and Francis Key. Theory is produced by Kate Chura and Francis Key and Napoleon. Theory is edited by Francis Key, and sound effects are provided by Anchor. Thanks! Bye! Bye! Fuck Dean. <laughs>